fourth quarter. From the pistol. Huntley to throw. Fires! Intercepted! Stepping in front. Cameron Sutton for the Steelers. Comes it. Touchdown! Claypool! The Steelers take the lead. Ben Roethlisberger with a strike. years playing this position in the NFL. He's trying to do it one last time. Snared by Harris. Najee Harris works his way upfield for a first down. Trying to fake out everyone just by the catch. Roethlisberger, rush coming, uncorks. It's caught, Fryer move. What a grab. Roethlisberger. Rifles to the outside. He's got room after the catch. Deontay Johnson, first down, Steelers. For what could be the final chapter for Ben Roethlisberger. Chaka, Roethlisberger, throws, catch. First down, Ray Ray McClellan. They put their trust in Chris Boswell. 36-yard attempt. Kuntz will snap it. Harvin will hold it. Sweeps the leg. And that is a winner for Pittsburgh. On the brink of an unlikely playoff spot. And maybe this isn't the last dance for Big Ben. Tide still in action, so Indianapolis not officially out of it. Boy, what a depressing loss for Indianapolis here today, and what a stunning victory for the Jacksonville Jaguars. They finish off a horrible season on as high a note as you can get. For a man who's been Money. Biggest kick of the year for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Snap good, hold good, and Raiders in, Chargers out, Steelers in. This is the Come On Network podcast. Come On Network, it's on the come up for sure. The best Pittsburgh-based podcast available. Is that so? If you're committed enough, you can make any story work. I, I once convinced a woman that I was Kevin Costner, and it worked because I believed it. Bringing you the latest in Pittsburgh and national sports and entertainment with guests and a plethora of co-hosts. Can we get a come on? Come on. 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 This is where the fun begins. FNA Cotton FNA.
The regular season has come to a close and the improbable has happened. The Jacksonville Jaguars took down the Indianapolis Colts. The Pittsburgh Steelers claimed victory over the Baltimore Ravens. And despite a scare, Daniel Carlson's field goal at the OT buzzer lifted the Las Vegas Raiders to a playoff clinching victory, thus avoiding a tie with the Chargers that would have kept the Steelers out of the dance. But damn it, they found a way in, and we've got at least one more week of Pittsburgh Steelers football. It's episode 103 of the Come On Network podcast and this week's Steelers reaction. Let's break it down, but first, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. We are available wherever you get podcasts, multiple platforms like Apple, Spotify, Google, Anchor, and more. And you can find us on social media as well. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Come On Network. Housekeeping out of the way, Kyle Dawson, Donnie Chedrick, Joe Smelter, Jack Hillgrove with you for Come On Network 103. And gentlemen, begin by chatting about this one and, and the day that was in one of the maybe the best 12 hours of NFL football uh, that we've enjoyed in our lives, maybe some of the most stressful hours of football, uh, despite the fact that I think the Steelers are going to be or are heavy underdogs. And we'll talk about the Chiefs playoff matchup uh, in our preview episode and probably a little bit here throughout this space, but uh, we'll chat about this one before we get into our biggest takeaways, our players of the game. Uh, but the Steelers are in somehow, some way uh, they have found a way into the postseason this season. Are they a good football team? No. Is this the worst Steelers team to make the playoffs? Definitely in the debate. Will they lose to Kansas city again? Probably, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What happened this Sunday had a season's worth of emotions. All the stars aligned. The Steelers-Ravens game was great from uh, maybe not from a football standpoint, but from an entertainment and drama standpoint. Jacksonville did the job. And then, of course, Sunday night, you have uh, the maybe more drama than we wanted, but you have about as much drama as possible in that with Vegas and the Chargers going into overtime and taking it down to the last possible kick um, to ensure that the Steelers would be in the postseason. Uh, yeah, not only the Steelers winning um, and getting into the playoffs, they also helped to knock the Ravens out of the playoffs, which is there's some Sean Furter there. Um, I'm not sure if Baltimore would have gotten in, uh, even if they had won, but the Steelers definitely um, helped the cause by – beating the Ravens, and yeah, just hard for me to say enough about what happened Sunday afternoon and Sunday night that hasn't been said already. It was the last uh, great drive for Ben Roethlisberger. It was the last great kick for Chris Boswell of many great kicks he's had this season, perhaps, and just absolutely speechless. Uh, for From 1 p.m. till close to midnight yesterday, just didn't have the words for what was going on. No matter what has happened in the Steelers season, there's been a lot of frustration, and there's probably going to be some more frustration against the Chiefs next Sunday. But that game made the season, I think we can say. It made the season, and I think the first thing we think back when we think about this 2021 season will be – Maybe Ben Roethlisberger's last game in Heinz Field, and then definitely right behind that would be all that happened on Sunday in Week 18. The first Week 18 in NFL history had everything you could ask for, not just as a Steelers fan, but as a football fan and sports fan too. Yeah, as, as stressful as it was from kickoff of the Steelers game till the end of the Chargers and Raiders game, um, 
Sunday was the most fun I think I've had as a Steelers fan watching the NFL unfold um, throughout the course of a day. Um, from the get-go, obviously, the Steelers and the uh, Jags kicked off at the same time. The four of us, among others, watching together the Steeler game and then on a split screen following along to see what the Jacksonville Jaguars were doing against the Colts. And obviously, that game uh, wasn't even close. Uh, the Jaguars were far and away the better team in that game and, and took care of the company, uh, Carson Wentz and company to give the Steelers a legitimate chance. And you thought at one point that, and we said this a couple of times watching the game, that of course the Jags are going to do their part, beat the crap out of the Colts, and this game's going to go down to the wire and potentially the Steelers lose. They didn't lose, and partially because, uh, well, not partially, I think because of two big reasons. Number one, the defense was stellar again for Pittsburgh on Sunday at Baltimore. And Ben Roethlisberger had another uh, game-winning drive in him. Uh, and what potentially could have been his final regular season game, uh, he left it out all on the line for his team. And uh, the man himself, Chris Boswell, booted through the game winner among several other field goals in this one to give the Steelers the victory like he's done uh, several times throughout his career. And I think you can make a case for when it's all said and done, if Chris Boswell puts together a couple of uh, more successful seasons that he might be the most uh, elated or um, that's not the right word, the bad, just the best kicker in franchise history. Uh, three for three on Saturday or Sunday rather. Uh, obviously with that extra point or that game winning field goal to win it. And then the defense, uh, Cam Hayward getting to two, uh, 10 sacks for the second time in his career. Uh, and at this point he's at in his career and his age, the first time he did it was last year, like a fine wine. That guy's getting better with age. And, you know, I will, with the exception of maybe a number 99 in Los Angeles, I'd say he's one of the top defensive linemen in all of football, especially has been for the last two years. Uh, TJ Watt was able to tie the sack record. Some were up to debate saying whether or not he should have broken the sack record with that, that fumble in the first quarter. A lot of people were heated about it, but you know, ultimately the team got the win and that's all that mattered. And then a lot of supporting help too. Uh, I thought Hank Mondu and a couple of other guys on the defensive line played solid. Um, Montrevious Adams at times looked all right. Other times he was uh, a little lost out there, but Isaiah Loudermilk had a, a solid game as well. I thought um, penetrated that line uh, for Baltimore uh, pretty good. And then the linebackers as well. Uh, Alex Highsmith, four tackles, Joe Schobert, four tackles and Spillane for ta five tackles rather. Um, I try to avoid saying nice things about Devin Bush because I think he stinks, but Again, the, the the 11 that were on the field, whoever it was for the Steelers' defense at whatever point in the game, did what they needed to do, held the Ravens to 13 points in their home stadium and were able to give themselves a chance to win. And I know we're going to get to this later uh, when we talk about a turning point or a play of the game, but Minka Fitzpatrick's play on the ball on uh, Hollywood Brown on the sideline as the Ravens were trying to drive down the field might have been the most impactful play for the Steelers all season long. I, I thought it was one of, you know, everybody talked time and time again on why the Steelers traded for Minka Fitzpatrick. Was it worth it? And then immediately he proved it right away when the Steelers acquired him, how dynamic he was. Can you take a little bit of a step back the last couple of years? He's over-pursued on a lot of one-on-one -on -one situations in the open field and has gotten burnt, but that was one of, if not the most impactful play I've seen a Steelers defender make in a really, really long time. And it ultimately gave the Steelers a chance 
they were able to stop them and then go down the field and win the game. So uh, long story short, just an awesome day of football. You were sweating at the end. Everybody that loves the Steelers was sweating at the end of the night when you thought that that game was going to go to a tie and Ben Roethlisberger and company were just going to get gypped out of a playoff spot, but it didn't happen. And we have another football game to look forward to next week. I guess this old Cowboys got a little bit left in them. Big Ben turning out another classic fourth quarter slash overtime performance yesterday. You know, the numbers always don't look that pretty in the box score, but watching that game, you know, and all of us watching together, we just kind of wondered, does Big Ben have one more game-winning drive in him? He puts together one late in the fourth quarter. The Ravens were able to tie the game. It goes to OT. Can Ben do it again? And they put together perhaps their best touchdown drive of the entire, or their best scoring drive of the entire season in overtime yesterday when it was all on the line. Third down conversion to Pat Fryermuth. Third down conversion to Deontay Johnson. Uh, fourth down conversion to Ray Ray McLeod. You know somebody that we've jumped all over this year, and you know he certainly had a big drop yesterday in overtime, but. McLeod comes up with that catch uh, about a yard or two short of the first down marker, and he did what he had to do to get across. He bailed out Big Ben a little bit uh, on that fourth down play. Uh, you go back to the first play of their drive. Najee Harris makes, uh, first off, a ridiculous one-handed catch uh, with by the nose of the football. Then he jukes out Patrick Queen, who's becoming one of the, the better uh, inside linebackers in the game today. And he's able to get a first down. And, and this is Najee Harris probably not playing 100% because it looked like he got his arm bent in half on the opening drive of the football game. Uh, just so many things yesterday. And, you know, obviously they all fell in the Steelers' way. Uh, but it was certainly one of the most uh, emotional games uh, that we've all experienced because that whole time in the back of your mind, you had to know that, that it very well could have been it. For old number seven, you know, going into the game, he probably felt that it could have very well been it because who knew going in what would transpire down in Jacksonville and who was sure uh, what would transpire in Las Vegas late last night. It all ended up going in the way of the Steelers, uh, you know, and it, it's not the first time that this has happened. You know, I, I tried, tried to, to tell myself all week that it would actually work out and it actually did happen. Uh, I, I brought up uh, a last, a final week of the season back in 1993 when it had some oddly similar parallels to it. Uh, the Steelers needing a win, then needing to put trust into a rookie quarterback, leading a bad football team to knock somebody else out of the playoffs. And then they needed a team to win on Sunday night football. All three things happened in both cases there. And in both cases, the Pittsburgh Steelers have themselves a playoff spot. Uh, so many moments that stand out in yesterday's game. Uh, every big throw in overtime that Ben Roethlisberger made, uh, he had to make the throw. You know, they're not 40-yard bombs, uh, but there's still plays that need to be made. That pass to Pat Fryermuth uh, on, in the overtime drive really stood out. Fryermuth had a man hanging on his arm. Uh, he's able to haul it in. Uh, and it seemed like guys would make a mistake yesterday, but then be sure to redeem themselves. You think of the Friar Muth play in the fourth quarter when he 
wasn't really aware of where the first down stick was and went out a yard early. Uh, Ray, Ray, Ray McLeod had the big drop in overtime, then redeemed himself a few plays later. Uh, guys made it count when it mattered most. Uh, one of the gutsiest performances uh, we can say of the Big Ben Mike Tomlin era, and I know that that's a long time. I mean, since 2007, these guys have been together, uh, but there were a lot of points yesterday where I don't know about you guys, but I did not feel well about the Steelers winning that football game. And it made us more frustrated seeing what was happening to the Indianapolis Colts as their season went down the tubes, but they made the plays when they had to Jack referenced the Minka Fitzpatrick play. You can mention the uh, Cam Sutton interception in the end zone, uh, you know, maybe a bad throw by Tyler Huntley, but if that play does not happen, the Steelers likely do not win the football game. If Baltimore scores a touchdown on that drive, that game does not go to overtime. Baltimore wins it in regulation. So they made timely plays defensively, and in the end, they made them offensively, and everything worked out for the Steelers in what was an absolute emotional roller coaster for all of us and you know every Steeler fan out there yesterday. Yeah, roller coaster is a good way to describe it. Even into the Sunday night football game, when it looked like we were we were pretty in the clear at 29-15 for the Las Vegas Raiders with about seven or eight minutes left in the contest. And uh, the Chargers drive down, score a touchdown, get a two-point conversion, make it a seven-point game, and then four fourth-down conversions on the game-tying drive at the end of regulation for Justin Herbert and the Chargers. But Vegas able to and it's been debated around uh, all day and in this media market as well as nationally I assume uh, the decision for Brandon Staley to take a timeout with 38 seconds left in overtime and then Daniel Carlson's game winning 47 yard field goal if those teams were headed for a tie that would have kept the Steelers out of the equation obviously uh, but the first two things that had to happen were pretty impressive. I mean, Jacksonville came out and absolutely stomped the Colts, uh, which was pretty unexpected. Jonathan Taylor, who people were talking is maybe an MVP candidate in the National Football League, had about 70 yards. That's not an MVP-type performance in a must-win game to get the Colts into the postseason. Carson Wentz, I think, had a QBR of four yesterday. Uh, which is a little bit painfully below average for a guy that the Colts sent a first round pick to Philadelphia for. And it turns out that the Colts give up that pick, get Wentz and don't make the postseason and quite the collapse for the Colts. But on the other hand, the Steelers win four of their last six games, including a gutsy win yesterday. There are plays that you guys have mentioned. I think maybe none bigger than the Sutton interception. That is obviously game saving. Like, like Donnie talked about Jack's mention of and Donnie's mention of the Minka Fitzpatrick pass deflect or pass defense in the PBU is obviously a massive play. I mean, that's that's a drive for Tyler Huntley and the Ravens that may end up getting them the win. Uh, but one other play that I think we can't forget to mention is Najee Harris's catch on the first play of that game winning drive in overtime for the Steelers, the one-handed grab that is almost for sure a pick six if Najee doesn't get a hand on it at the very least to knock it down to the ground and get it an incomplete pass. But he ends up getting, I think, five or six yards on that play, and it kind of set the tone, I thought, for the drive. Uh, Ray Ray had a, a big play, and I know I, I knocked him all day yesterday. I'll continue to do it because I don't think that he is a, a prolific wide receiver like Matt Canada, Mike Tom, one in the staff, and the Steelers think he is. 
but he had a really big catch too that he he suffered a massive hit on uh, earlier in the game. I think when it was still ten to six that he had a, a big play on uh, that was able to get the Steelers closer to position to take the lead with Chase Claypool's uh, touchdown catch. And I thought Claypool had a really good day as well. But uh, Ben Roethlisberger's 57th career game-winning drive, that is including the playoffs, and it also passes Hall of Famer Peyton Manning and probably surefire Hall of Famer Drew Brees uh, for the second most in the Super Bowl era and uh, 15 winning seasons for Ben as well. That ties Brett Favre and Peyton Manning for the second most winning seasons among quarterbacks in the Super Bowl era as well. But what an impressive uh, win for the Steelers. I think, again, we see an offense that really leaves a lot to be desired for the first three quarters. But I think once that fourth quarter clock begins this year, we've been able to say, okay, does Ben have one more? And then the next week we say, does Ben have another one to pull out of the archives? Uh, and that overtime drive was vintage Ben Roethlisberger. But I thought it was cool, the the little parallels, like Ben Roethlisberger and what's going to be his final game if, if there's a tie at the end of the night or if Jacksonville hadn't taken care of business. Uh, the things that needed to happen for the Steelers to stay alive kind of go back to 2005 a little bit. Jerome Bettis's farewell tour, if you will. Uh, ben Roethlisberger makes that tackle after Bettis fumbles in Indianapolis with the shoestring on Nick Harper. And then he had some guys make some plays to keep his career alive yesterday. The Sutton interception, the Minka PBU, uh, the Najee Harris grab, and then even the Ray Ray McLeod grab on fourth down after his drop. And, and Donnie mentioned that was a really nice catch. He caught it a yard or two shy of, of the stick and, and ended up backpedaling his way for the first down. That was a bad ball, too, by Ben. So it's kind of surprising to see. Uh, ben Roethlisberger not come up with a really good throw in that situation, uh, but he, but he put it where I guess in vicinity enough for Ray Ray to make a play on it, and McLeod definitely made a play uh, for Ben Roethlisberger. I'm still confused as we talk generally about this game. I'm I'm still confused why teams shy away from running the football against the Steelers defense. I mean, we saw Latavius Murray look Latavius Murray rather look like Emmett Smith at times yesterday, just dicing up the Steelers up the middle and to the left and right. And, and teams seem to get away from that. I don't know why Baker Mayfield trusted too much by Kevin Stefanski, Tyler Huntley or Aldi brand Lamar, like Donnie put it in the preview episode uh, was really not good yesterday either. And enforced a lot of throws I thought um, and missed on a bunch of throws that they should have just run the football. I thought they trusted him way too much, especially in the red zone. And I don't understand not running the football against the Steelers run defense it is has been among the worst that we've seen from the Steelers in the last 50 years uh, for this rush defense so uh, but, but I think I think Chris Muller and Andrew Filipponi put it well earlier on the on the PM team today as we record this on Monday night late in the Tuesday morning um, I thought they put it well that, that this defense came up with opportune plays and that's what they've been doing all season long it's not the best defense uh, certainly not what we expected from the Pittsburgh Steelers defensive unit, uh, but they've come up with plays. And if you're going to be that bad against the run, uh, like those guys said earlier on the fan, you've got to you've got to come up with other plays and other parts of the game that make an impact and, and make up for what your deficits are in the run game. Uh, and they were able to do that, forced three turnovers and had the couple PBUs and made some plays late. Uh, to give the team an opportunity and the Steelers get in, which I think was something that we weren't expecting going into the day or thought that maybe uh, wasn't going to happen going into the day, but they end up getting in 
uh, thanks to the help from the Jaguars and thanks to Daniel Carlson's 47-yard field goal. If you want to be a conspiracy theorist and thank Brandon Staley as well for calling a timeout, I won't argue with you. So be it, because it certainly seemed like the Ravens were con- or the Raiders rather were content with kneeling the foot, or running the football out and running the clock out to just take the tie and let both teams get in. And uh, that would have been bad optics for the league, but I think the league got exactly what it wanted last night. And, and that's about the best thing that could have happened for the national football league. And for Steelers fans, no gripes because the Raiders win and the Steelers get one more week of football. Uh, we'll shift over here. Our next topic is per usual is our biggest takeaway from this game, uh, which I think, uh, lends itself toward the playoffs guys, but it also kind of lends itself maybe toward the off season for the Steelers and, and still what they have to do as we've discussed over the last couple of weeks. And my biggest takeaway is that all the stress from the 2021 um, season is gone, even though the season itself is not gone for the Steelers. Everything is gravy from here. Uh, not that we won't be somewhat nervous during the Chiefs game. Obviously we still care and we'll still watch and we'll still, cuss at our televisions when Joe Hay gets called for a dunk penalty or when Devin Bush gets dominated by an opposing offensive lineman. But the Steelers aren't even supposed to be here, and they're playing a Super Bowl contender on the road in the stadium where they got beat by four scores and seven years ago just a few weeks back. Um, so as great as Sunday was, there was also a lot of stress, and at least for me, it'll be refreshing to watch a much more laid-back a football game, at least from a fan standpoint, uh, next Sunday night. Um, the past several weeks, uh, all we've been thinking about is can they get to the playoffs, what do they have to do to get to the playoffs, running the playoffs simulators, worrying about other scores and scoreboard watching just so much stuff. And then even, yes, even Sunday, so much stuff. But now we can just watch the Steelers play, and if they win, great. If they lose, well, they got farther than anybody expected them to get. My biggest takeaway, and um, Donnie, you talked about this guy earlier, and this is kind of more of like a season in review type of takeaway. Uh, the Steelers have found a bona fide all-star running back in Najee Harris. Uh, the guy was fourth in the league in rushing yards behind probably the worst offensive line in football. Um, it's kind of hard to believe that the guy rushed for as many yards as he did, 1,200 on the nose in eight, uh, 17 games, because it feels like every other time he would touch the ball, he gets swallowed up for a loss or like a two-yard gain because the offensive line can't run block. But he ended up with 1,200 yards, fourth in the league, second most touches in the league, seven rushing touchdowns, and the guy did not fumble once. And if the Steelers, and it's going to change, obviously, with the news that Kevin Colbert uh, has is going to retire after the NFL draft as we shift from the draft into free agency. And I'm sure Colbert will have a lot of input on who the Steelers take, even though it'll be his last draft. But um, as we shift into a new era of Steelers football without Ben Roethlisberger and a new general manager, um, it's going to be up to them to um, groom an offensive line and and make a very good offensive line in the next couple of years while you have Najee Harris on this four, probably five-year rookie deal because you know how the running back situation works in the NFL. There's no guarantee that Najee Harris will be a stealer and sign a second contract after he's done. That's just the way that the, the nature of the position goes and has gone for the last couple of years. But I honestly think that if they're able to 
um, transform this offensive line a little bit this offseason and go from bottom five to maybe even a middle-of-the-pack offensive line. I don't know how realistic that is. Probably not very realistic in one year. But I think that if this guy can get a very competent offensive line in front of him for the next couple of years – you might be looking at a guy that will lead the NFL in rushing and be talked about as perhaps the best running back in football. And I was very down on not the, the, the decision to draft Najee Harris when they drafted him. And boy, did he prove me and everybody else that thought the Steelers should have went elsewhere in the draft wrong. Um, I'll eat my words on that one all day long. And I'm really glad that number 22 is in black and gold uh, because he, everybody said that he was going to look great in black and gold. And that's the only reason why they should have picked him. And then those people were right. And with that said, my biggest takeaway is that the Steelers have themselves yet another uh, very, very good running back for the future to come. Yeah, Najee Harris does look great in black and gold, and uh, other guys that would look great in black and gold include the entire uh, Georgia offensive line uh, because I would say, uh, going off your point, Jack, my biggest takeaway is that if the Steelers can fix up this offensive line, uh, they can have a pretty damn good offense, and that's even with the uh, eventual departure of Ben Roethlisberger at once this season comes to an end. Uh, if you get even a competent quarterback in there, uh, you can make things happen with a better offensive line because you have plenty of pieces around you. Uh, you know, you have to sure up the wide receiver position a little bit because you'll lose uh, someone like James Washington in the offseason. Uh, they'll probably sign McLeod to an eight-year extension uh, by the time we, we get to uh, February or March. Uh, but you, you have guys on that offense that are very young and can be around for a while. Uh, I think Juju at this point will likely be back. Uh, you have Chase Claypool, you have Deontay Johnson, uh, Pat Fryermuth, who has been fantastic as a rookie tight end. Najee Harris, of course, can't really say enough about his efforts uh, from the backfield. But make a transformation to that offensive line, and this team can really be something uh, moving forward and not look uh, so stale whenever they have the football in their hands. Well, one of the issues toward, I don't want to go too much into the draft right now, but one of the issues toward that is is this win and getting into the playoffs means the Steelers pick no earlier than 20th if they don't trade up in the first round to go wherever they want to go. And they've traded up before, so it wouldn't be too big of a surprise uh, to see them do that, I don't think, and especially if they're going balls to the wall and, and they get a quarterback in here that's a veteran and they want to put the pieces around them on the offensive line and they decide they want to move on from the Kendrick Green experiment at center and maybe sign a veteran along the line or two um, and put the pieces around a quarterback uh, to go contend for a Super Bowl championship once Ben Roethlisberger is gone. I think that, that's going to be a little bit tougher to do now, uh, but I think I think – I'm leaning toward this being worth it uh, to have the draft pick go as low as it is. And I think that's my takeaway from the season, kind of going in a little bit to what Joe talked about is the pressure being off and the stress being away. I said last night, kind of jokingly, uh, when we when we left Ruggers, uh, where we watched the game at and we're walking back uh, up to Donnie's place, I said, uh, to Joe and Donnie, I've never been so excited for the Steelers to get their ass kicked. Like, 
I, I'm fully going in there on, on Sunday expecting the Steelers to play at least a competitive game, uh, but I wouldn't be shocked. I think it's probably more likely the Steelers lose by 14 or 17 or more points than they do have of winning the football game against the Chiefs in, in a, a game where the Steelers right now opened at a 12 and a half point dog. I think it's down into the 11 and a half range right now. Uh, but this is this is quite the upset if, if the Steelers are able to pull it off. And I think Chris Mo, I mentioned their show earlier and, and the one Donnie produces. I think Chris mentioned earlier that if if Mike Tomlin and, and the Steelers are able to pull this upset off, it changes the outlook on this season entirely. Even if you're just winning one game in the playoffs here, uh, it makes it all worth it uh, for Ben Roethlisberger to be able to go out with a playoff game, win or lose. I think that is valuable to the Steelers fan base uh, and to see him play, uh, even if it's going to be ugly one more time, I think is definitely worth it for the Steelers. Uh, that said, it, it would have been a good full circle moment had it happened yesterday and that been it, say Indianapolis beats Jacksonville like they were supposed to. Uh, that would have been a pretty good win and a pretty good drive to go out on for Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, but the Steelers do find their way in. And I think the takeaway here is that this is a team uh, that probably had no business being in the playoffs, a, a roster that had no business being in the playoffs. But uh, you can knock Mike Tomlin all you want. And I know that, that we even all joked about last yesterday and, and all throughout the week. Have you ever heard Mike, have you ever seen Mike Tomlin have a losing season? I get that that's the knock. Uh, but you can't knock the guy for pulling more and more and more and the most at times out of his team in that locker room and, and the fight and the grit that that team has and has had over his 15 seasons or whatever it is, uh, is head coach of the Steelers. You can't argue that he gets a lot out of those guys, even when it doesn't look like that they're going to be very successful. And you can go back to 2019 when Ben Roethlisberger got hurt and getting that team to eight wins and a chance to make the playoffs uh, with three weeks left before the three losses to end the year. Uh, you can talk about this year with, with this team starting one and three and finding their way in when nobody gave them a chance, including us, uh, most of us, to get in after the one and three start. Uh, these guys find a way to get in, and I think that's a big takeaway. This franchise, as much as you can knock them for the lack of playoff wins over the last decade and since that Super Bowl forty five appearance, uh, they find a way to win at times when we don't think that they're going to contend and have a chance. But everyone's 0-0 when you get to the playoffs, and the Steelers certainly still have a chance. It's why they play the games, uh, certainly have a chance to uh, make some noise in this playoffs. So I think that Joe said it a couple weeks ago that if they get in, uh, I think I like their chances to at least compete because it seems like they can play up for the big games and you never have to worry uh, about the team in, in those moments. And I think this team will be ready. Uh, let's switch over. What's our, our final segment of this reaction episode? And we'll have one more reaction of a game, at least for you this year is our, excuse me, our player of the game segment. We'll name our players of the game here. I'm going to go with Chase Claypool. And that might surprise you guys since you look at Claypool's stats, five catches, 37 yards, three rushes, 33 yards. But he did things that won't appear on the stat sheet, which is the main reason I'm shouting him out here. He blocked well, especially on, I think it was Najee Harris's one in overtime that helped set up Boswell's winning field goal. He didn't do any of the bullshit that he's been ripped for after catches. There's no pointing, no celebrating, um, nothing. He didn't do anything uh, that earned him the nickname Maple Deuce from me. Um, 
And, of course, he also caught the Steelers' only touchdown of the day, which was kind of important, too. So since that debacle in Minnesota, Claypool, from what I see at least, has been all business for the most part. And I hope he keeps his attitude into the 2022 season, especially with his talent level at receiver, which I don't think has ever been in question. My player of the game, and uh, Chase Claypool is definitely a good choice, but I'm going to go with a def- uh, unit here, and I'm going to go with the Steelers' secondary. I thought that they played uh, their best game all season and had a couple of guys make some really, really big impact plays. Just to go down the line real quick at the, the starters and their stats, Minka, six tackles. Um, Joe Hayden had three tackles, Edmonds, three tackles, Cam Sutton, five tackles. Those are your main guys. And then also a couple of other different guys getting involved as well. Trey Norwood in the stat column, James Pierre in the stat column. But the two biggest plays of the game for me are Cam Sutton's interception. Terrell Edmonds had an interception as well. And uh, the Minka PBU. I, I think that the Steelers, without those three plays, this interception, Terrell Edmonds' interception, and Minka's pass deflection, they don't win the football game. And for that reason, I pick the collective unit for the Steelers' secondary as uh, my players of the game. I'm going to go with Chris Boswell for this one. Uh, And this might be just how his performance has been over the course of the full season, but another perfect day on on Sunday, Uh, good from 20 to 29, good from 30 to 39, and then the – the OT winner. Uh, he's been so consistent this year, further showing that uh, that 2018 season was a true outlier for him uh, in a bad sense. Uh, he, he's back to being on top of his game. And really, besides the, the kicker on the other sideline yesterday, I can't think of many kickers better right now in the National Football League uh, than Chris Boswell. Uh, for how many times yesterday I, I doubted that the Steelers could pull it off, the moment they brought Boswell out there in overtime, I had no doubt in my mind that that thing was going down the middle uh, of the uprights. As I, I've been that way for pretty much the entire season, uh, there's no question that he's a top five player on this team right now. Uh, you know, you might get some chuckles at that because he's a kicker, but how many times has he been called upon in tough spots from Mike Tomlin and this team all season long and almost every single time he comes through with three points? Yeah, I think those two guys, Tucker and Boswell, certainly in the conversation and queue up the Foo Fighters for Daniel Carlson as well. He still hasn't missed a kick inside a Legion Stadium. I think he's been fantastic going back to – uh, the Cleveland game, which would have eliminated Vegas with a loss. Uh, he gets the game winner there and then gets the game winner last night. Uh, the, those three, uh, I think, are some of the best kickers in the National Football League right now. I'm going to go with Cam Hayward. And I, I don't, I, I just don't know that anybody really stood out yesterday for the Steelers. You could talk about Ben Roethlisberger being over 160 yards, I think was the number for the first time in four weeks. Uh, he had 244 yards the game. Uh, uh, go-ahead touchdown in the fourth quarter, obviously, before the Tucker field goal tied it up. Uh, for Baltimore, you could talk about him. You can talk about Claypool, which I think is a good pick from Joe. Uh, you could talk a little bit, I guess, about Ray-Ray McLeod or Deontay Johnson or Pat Fryermuth, any of those guys that are making plays. Uh, Zach Gentry had a pretty good day f- receiving the football and, and blocking for the Steelers, and I thought 
uh, that Najee Harris played pretty well after coming back from the injury. Uh, even Benny Snell had a really big play before and probably his best play as a stealer before Joe Haig was called for the face mask on that play. Big stiff arm from Ben Snell. And uh, there were a lot of good performances yesterday, a lot of gutsy performances yesterday for the Steelers. But I'll go with Cam Hayward and I'll, I'll do it for this reason. Uh, he did have the, the tie for the team lead in tackles yesterday with six, uh, had a sack, had two tackles for losses, uh, had a, a quarterback hit in there. Uh, on top of the sack, I think Cam Hayward has had, and I, I forget who mentioned this earlier on this episode, but Cam Hayward has had one of, and I think Aditi Kikwabala said it earlier on the PM team too. He's had one of the most maybe underrated seasons for a defensive player in the National Football League this year. I think he's been a standout every single week. And, and it's a lot of his impact doesn't get shown on, on the score sheet or on the box score in the stats to see what Hayward is able to do. I mean, he's been playing along that line without Tyson Alualu, without Stefan Tuitt, uh, without some other guys due to injury and, and good for the emergence of Chris Warmly and guys like him and, and Montrevious Adams. But really it's been Cam Hayward as a silent leader on that defense. When you really think about Minka Fitzpatrick and you think about TJ Watt, you obviously think about Hayward as one of the captains of this football team, but I thought he did a really good job and has done a really nice job the last couple of weeks, especially of rallying the troops and making big plays when this defense needs them and big run stops when this run defense needs them. Uh, so for that reason, I'll go with Cam Hayward this week and we'll see who uh, is the player of the game next week. If it's a Steelers win, obviously that that's going to be really impressive. Uh, for somebody on this Steelers unit, it's going to take a good game from everybody again and probably a much better game uh, than not only this one, but obviously than the one that they put on in Kansas City the last time. It's Sunday night, 8.15 on NBC. We'll talk about it later on in the week here on the Come On Network podcast, the Steelers and the Chiefs in what they're calling, I believe, Super Wild Card Weekend uh, with a Monday night game in there as well. Uh, six wild card games coming up this weekend, including the Steelers and Chiefs. And we'll have a preview of the Steelers and Chiefs for you a little bit later on this week. But that will wrap it up for episode 103 of the Come On Network podcast and this week's Steelers reaction as we react to uh, the playoff clinching victory, as it turns out, with a little bit of help from the Jags and Trevor Lawrence and Daniel Carlson and the Raiders and Derek Carr who wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Donnie and I are on the train, the Derek Carr train to Pittsburgh uh, to become the next Steelers quarterback. But the Raiders get it done, the Jags get it done, the Steelers get it done, and the Steelers are in the postseason here in 2021-22. We'll talk to you later this week. Thanks for listening to Episode 103 of the Come On Network podcast. Make sure you tell your friends, subscribe, rate, review the pod, Apple, Spotify, Google, Anchor, any podcast platform you can think of, we're likely on there. We're on social media as well, at Come On Network. Until next time, stay safe, go Steelers, and come on. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.